Welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. Hey, and I'm Brian. And this is the Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith, and also yeah. the home of Carhartt. <laughs> because today, yeah, okay. if you are watching online, or if you're just listening, I just want you yeah. to drink this all in. Brian started the video feed here, and the camera was low, and I'm like, <laughs> he's really close to the camera, I'm like, what's happening? And lo and behold, I see the logo above all logos, and it is the Carhartt logo on his T-shirt, and he's like, oh, I did it for you. Then we get ready to record. <laughs> Brian puts on an overshirt, button-up. It's plat, looking nice, and lo and behold. It's Carhartt, too. It that's is actually, Carhartt. That's actually what wow. I bought. So so I was in, you know, as a working man does, I was at Blaine's Farmer <laughs> Fleet the other day, and uh, I mm -hmm. was uh, buying some equipment. You know, the kind of stuff you buy at what, what are you buying? Like a couple I, screws? I, I bought some weed killer. I have bought screws at <laughs> Blaine's Farm and Fleet, Fleet, but I was buying some weed killer. Yes. And I bought, I think this has to be my 17th uh, pruning like shears. Um, I don't know. I, I don't They must just evaporate after a while. They just disappear or something. Wow. But I needed some of those. Um, so I've been tackling some yard work, as you do. And what else did I buy that day? Uh, oh, I bought a I bought a uh, a fan for the shop, like a big, you know, like fan. Basically, I can <laughs> I can set it I can set it in the door and you know get a good breeze going in the because it's it's been a little as warm. fans do yeah it's been a little warm lately yes <clears throat> but this is one of those kind of big shop type fans but not the huge ones not the, like the three foot okay fine anything, you have a fan we're all and, uh, and anyway so i saw this shirt i'm like oh i like that shirt it was a carhartt and i thought well all the cool kids wear carhartt that's right we, we referenced an article last <laughs> week about how carhartt has become like trendy and so they had one of my size and so i bought it and then i saw i thought oh i've got to buy an undershirt carhartt just to make fun of just to make fun of Ryan. And I didn't think you were ever going to notice that you're like, a, your your camera's funny. Your Well, it was different. just weird how it started. And then you pointed <laughs> it out. But then, of course, I had to show he, I'm he's sporting got, well, you, the gray Carhartt. There wasn't the a car. question. There wasn't a question you'd have a Carhartt shirt Listen, on today. you wake up, shirt. Put on the Carhartt. Put on the Carhartt. I'm ready right. to rock. I'm well, ready I'm glad, to live I'm, the digital I'm, life that I lead. I'm as glad a video to know you don't. I'm glad you don't, to know you don't uh, wear Carhartt. To bed and then just get up i don't i don't okay. you're right you're right well done right. well i'm so pleased brian i'm so pleased that you have joined <laughs> well you know i'm kind of a trendsetter with this <laughs> i've been living this life you didn't say all right you all didn't right. set any trend well anyway we are... unless they want to become sponsors of the bio carhartt, bistro working brought man's to you friend. by carhartt you know carhartt <laughs> you know carhartt hard stuff Carhartt work. See what a good job we could do as spokespeople. We could buy Carhartt. It <laughs> wears. So there you go. It wears on you, just like buying the Bible Bistro. <laughs> okay. What, are we talking about anything today? We're talking about something today. So, so we, right. you and I, we have been diving through. We yeah. did the O'Neaters. Right. Great, great, great. And we did some First John. Yeah. So we've been pretty heavy. You know, we say Bible theology and all things related to the Christian right. faith. And we've done a lot of Bible stuff. And yeah, I, we were talking about like, what do we do? What do we do now? What's a little different? And so I thought one of the things that I think we should talk about, or at least something that, um, well, you and I have had this conversation. Yeah, we, we talk about this on a regular basis. Oh. This is one of, one of our <laughs> touchstones. Is, this is like my therapy session when I talk to Brian <laughs> about this stuff is, you know, interpretation. Like, how do we right. interpret scripture? Um, and we've talked about this before about cultural context right. and all stuff, understanding what the original uh, author's intention is. But also what kind of, you know, my question is like, what applies to us right. and what does not? My right. concern always as we think about scripture is sometimes, especially the Old Testament, we see certain narratives about the nation of Israel, but there seems to be, right. um, and you've talked about this fallacy in the past, like when you sure. read scripture, insert your name into it, you know, like, <laughs> right. like it's the, written to me, but kind of going, is what parts yeah. of those narratives have application to us or what don't? And so yeah. that was kind of our conversation that we were going to have today. especially you talk about this with the old testament i think quite a bit and and we'll talk about where where, where you come to this from a couple of the famous ones uh, one of them is the one uh you know we talk about um at graduation time a lot i think we've mentioned this before the jeremiah passage you know before, i have plans yeah, to prosper I know, you yeah right yeah jeremiah 29, I, you know the plans i have for you 
which again, people take personally for, oh, God's got this plan for me and it's to prosper and all this kind of thing. When he's really there, you know, Jeremiah is talking about there's going to be this destruction that's going to come from Babylon. (laughs) And uh, after a period of time, then after 70 years, God says, I'm going to restore you. You know, that the whole point there is that I haven't abandoned the nation of Israel and and this kind of thing. So that's one that gets used. You know, you see that on graduation cards all Mm. the time. And and so how now now here's here's the thing. You're going to hear the struggle throughout, I think. Because we want to make sure that the Bible, we the Bible is relevant to us, right? And we right. want to make sure we we honor that and we understand it appropriately. At the same time, we need to think about the original context and the the original audience is kind of what I've been focused on as we've been preparing for this episode. Uh, is to think about you know how did how did the original audience hear this and what was the intention? You mentioned author's intention. What was the intention for the audience to? to get from this. There's another passage. Um, what was the other passage I was thinking about in the Old Testament that's often quoted or used? Oh, uh, if if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, uh, then I will hear from heaven, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and renew their land. And you hear that, you know, Fourth of July, we took, took a week off for Fourth of July, in fact, just happened. And, you know, you have uh, a lot of people applying that directly to the United States and saying, you know, here's here's a promise. Um, now, I think there's a lesson there. I think there are things for us to learn, and that's where you know I want to make sure we we handle that part of it. But at the same time, I think we need to be very careful about you know I've called this a flat reading before. I don't I don't know what else to call it a surface reading. Um, and, and I think one of the f- well, I'm just talking out. But anyway, did you have other yeah? Other thoughts I, I guess on that? the thing for me is as I think about this conversation, as I think about this, is kind of going how it, part of it is is how do I look at the Bible. And, right. I, and I think for mm-hmm. me, sometimes I, I look at this, this is uh, the narrative of God. Yes. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's primarily a, a, a narrative of God. About God, you're saying. About so, God, yeah. mm-hmm. not right. necessarily. A, it involves me. Yes. But it's mm-hmm. not directly about me. And I, so you and I have had this conversation, especially we, we'll talk about probably this a little bit here, like worship songs sometimes mm-hmm. where we take the scripture that's about God, but then somehow it gets turned into about me. That's, and that's kind of where we started with this conversation, right? You want to give a couple of examples of that where the, the songs so, really yeah, bother so you? So this is, this is one of the things. <laughs> okay. Songs, songs that bother Ryan part one. Uh, okay. <laughs> Well, I, I can, yeah, rewind this. So there seems, so there's a trend in worship music. Um, right. I'm a worship guy. So I am always, no, I've not always done this very well, but thinking about the lyrics that we sing, right. you know, besides right. the beat. And there seems to be a theme of, um, I'm going to use the words breakthrough, right. overcome, and fighting giants. Sure. You know, right. like I'm slaying giants. Right. And so um, I saw a coffee coffee cup. So it's been many years ago that I thought was fantastic. And it was a little coffee cup. And it was a picture of David and Goliath. And it just right. said below it, you aren't David. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but where we started to play. Um, and so there seems to be these themes of recurring. Like we're like sure. that God's going to get us just like in the Old Testament, this conquering of things in my life. Right. Now, Typically, they're not labeled as sin in my life or death. It's just right. like uh, overcoming a situation. And so, yeah, like, you know, I'm in a bad place. I'm and, in a bad you know, place. My, and, my job's you know, not going well. Or and whatever. God, God's, you know, I, I'm going to overcome this right. by, by, by God. And so, I, you know, for me, I'm very analytical, kind of going, right? <laughs> well, we see that with David. We also see the nation of Israel suffer sure. incredibly. Right. Uh, on the other side of that because of their disobedience. But we also see in Revelation, which we've talked about before, we see the church is basically the two witnesses. The church is going to suffer, right. you know, and it's in that suffering, not in the overcoming of their mortal enemy right in front of them. Um, so anyway, right. that's kind of how this conversation started was sure. I always feel this tension inside of me, as especially as we talk about Psalms sometimes. You and I have had that conversation. Yeah. And we'll, yeah. well, I think we'll talk about that. Yeah, we get, we pulled out some examples just to think about. And mm-hmm. maybe uh, our listeners even can think think of some other examples. We could do a part two of this maybe. But yeah, but for, for me, this is this is always a struggle. Like I sometimes leave feeling like, 
what's the what are the guardrails for me to interpret? Am right. I being too yeah. um, too much on it? And how do we? I think attention's a right. I think attention's a good way to think about this because it, there is it's kind of a, a pull and tug, you know, with this. The 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 thing I think it, it, I, I wrote this down in the notes, and I'm trying to think how to express this well. When we begin to think about the original audience, is is a lot of times I think the first step in in moving from kind of I've called it a surface reading. I don't know what else. You know what I'm saying? When, when, yeah, you're just reading, just, when you read the Bible and say, oh, look, this is what it says and this is what it well, means. It's, it's it's like the old Philippians passage. I can do all things through right. Christ who gives me strength. And, and you say, a okay, flat that means, reading says, yeah. I've read this verse. I can do all things. All things. I, can I would have, leap, I would have lost weight or, by yeah. now if I can do all things. <laughs> I would, <laughs> I might not be wearing Carhartt, you've not the read, working man's. You've not, <laughs> you've not studied the... Uh, the uh what is the daniel diet plan then obviously uh, <laughs> yes ch- check out um what is the name of the guy that did that um saddleback uh what's his name rick anyway, warren rick warren i think did the daniel diet thing so anyway water and vegetables <laughs> i mean that's, that's the answer the bible water clearly, vegetables and the bible clearly pine says nuts. This. here we go so <laughs> we could we could do the uh john the baptist diet which is you know Honey and lo- wild locusts. I don't, if you can find some good way to cook up some locusts, I'll try it. I've been I've been to Southeast Asia. They know how to cook a bug or two. We'll figure it out. Anyway, the, so I, I don't know what to call this, but that basically that reading you have, and I see, I would see this all the time because I, I taught freshmen. That was one of my favorite classes to teach were, were freshmen uh, when I was in Bible college, and and some of them would come in, some of them fresh out of you know like church camp and and really excited, which is a great thing had a good grasp of scripture, but then you begin to talk to them about, well, you, you know, again, it's like you're saying, they're wanting to apply these things directly. Okay. Now I would just, I'd always have to say the Bible absolutely in its entirety applies to us. Um, and that's, that's where I think, you know, I want to make sure to, to keep that balance or that you said tension, however you want to think about that. Um, but the first step is really to begin to think about, okay, this individual passage, like we just mentioned the Jeremiah passage, this is written for the Israelites during a period of time when they were being led astray by false leaders and they were expecting, anticipating judgment. Jeremiah had been given a vision that God was going to bring the Babylonians and was going to destroy the people of Israel. But he also had this message, God is still faithful to his promise, even though punishment is coming. You know, and so so when you begin to think about the original audience, I think that's really the first step to go from just kind of a flat reading of scripture into a more in-depth study of scripture and, and understanding the message of scripture as God has given it to us. I think this is the first step. Now, the only reason I mention it this way is that that would often become frustrating for for these again freshman student coming in. They're excited. They're on fire. They're, they they love the Bible, and and they begin to say at some point during the semester <laughs> we see you know a couple of, and usually the better students would go now wait a minute so so does the Bible does anything in the Bible apply to me and, and I would always answer absolutely it all applies but we have to take the proper steps first right. Hmm. Um, so, so my point is that the first step is understanding the original context to the best of our ability. We're limited in that, right? Right. Uh, we have, as we've said, we've had a lot of tools available to us now that even 50 or a hundred years ago, we wouldn't have had, but, um, you know, we're limited in our ability to understand the, the, the original context, but we understand it in the original context first, we see what was being communicated to the original audience and then we can draw principles, I think. And we can see, you know, they fit it within, you said, the overarching story of Scripture in a way. You know, the mm-hmm. story of God, you said. We fit it within that whole big, as I like to use the term, meta narrative, that big story of what Scripture is all about. And I think there are principles that we can draw then, then absolutely directly apply to us, right? And, but it's that step. Now, here's, my, here, here's, the, here's kind of the hard thing about this, I think. Um, is we we need to do that every time, even though depending on the, upon the part of scripture we're looking at or the type of scripture we're looking about looking at, sometimes we are closer to the context and sometimes we're farther away. Hmm. Okay, so so for just let me give you a quick example. Um, in, in in the New Testament, you have the letters of Paul, which are written to the church 
after the after the time of Christ's coming and after his death, burial, and resurrection, okay, mm-hmm. after the church had been established and there's the preaching of the gospels taking place, okay, that's the same situation we find ourselves in today, right? Right. Yeah. And, and so we might look. I'm, I'm preaching right now through the book of Colossians in 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 my uh, congregation. And we might look at the book of Colossians and say, well, look, this directly applies. And there's a lot of it that that we can, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's easier for us to read those passages directly as addressing our current situation. But that's where it's, I think, most crucial that we understand that there's still an original audience there. And, and the, if you go back and we talked about the Oneaters, go back and listen to Philemon if you mm-hmm. want to look at how I understand the original context of the book of Colossians. Uh, here, here's why Paul is writing this letter to this little church that he had never been to. And and even there, I think we need to understand the original audience. And uh, we still take those same steps. What What is being communicated to them? And then how can we apply that to ourselves? Does, does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, and I think that's exactly right, because I think I, that is tough, you know, like yeah. because we are so... Yes, we can see some of the questions that we think Paul is answering. We don't right. know exactly what he's, you know, like, I mean, he points it out, but we, we can see ourselves in that. We can see yeah. our church. We can see our community in it, those situations. It, it, exactly. And we've even adopted some of the language of Scripture to the point that, you know, it just seems to be communicating directly to us, you know, so. Well, it's back to that whole thing of like, you know, replace this word with this with, word and it's yeah. it's just written to you well right. it's still not it's not right. written to you it's not written to, it is but it isn't yeah and i was going to do the comparison the comparison then we look at something like the book of leviticus and we're like mm-hmm. well that's that's completely foreign to <laughs> isn't us isn't that right? the one we skip as we read <laughs> or again uh, you know, give you another example of the type of literature then so paul is writing a letter which which contains a lot of exhortation which is a lot like preaching right mm-hmm. it, it it's very similar to, you know, we should do this, we should avoid this, you know. So so it's a it's a familiar, how do I say this, genre to us. But then you read the Song of Songs and you're like, you know, what's what's going on here? Uh, what's this all about? <laughs> you know? Or uh, a book like um, you know, Daniel or Ezekiel or the book of Revelation, which had we talked a lot about the the genre of apocalypse. We've got a whole whole um, episode on just what apocalyptic literature is about. And we're not as familiar with those genres, and so sometimes that's the barrier, you know. So, so there's there's different, there's time. I always talk about, you know, the the beginning of the Old Testament is written at a far earlier time than um, Paul's letters, for example. So there's there's time. There are different cultures, um, you know, a, a Greco-Roman or European culture is probably closer to uh, our own culture in some ways than maybe a, a Near Eastern culture. Um, there are, you know, there's time, um, which I've already mentioned, I guess, but, but, but then language and, and all kinds of other things that, that, that kind of have to be understood in order to go forward. So, and again, sometimes students would get frustrated with this and it's like, well, uh, you know, I can't read, I don't, can't even read my Bible anymore. But, but I think there's a way in which mm-hmm. we get to a point where it's, it's even, it become, in my opinion, becomes more meaningful to us if we're. Well, that, that was kind of what I was going to point out, because I think sometimes if you have these conversations, as you look at Jeremiah passage, again, one that right. is so popular sure. out there, yeah. you know, there can be some feelings that come along with that. If yeah. you're saying like, hey, this isn't ex- maybe exactly yeah. what you think it means. And so there can be hurt feelings in there, but kind of, you know, a loss. Mo- yeah. there's a loss because it's feeling like, well, I don't have that promise from God. And yeah. typically when I've had that conversation, I'm like, the, the the plan has been executed. Yeah. We have Christ, like it's yeah. fulfilled in Christ. Like that is the good plan that is set before us for all of us. So there is application right. to us, but it doesn't necessarily mean absolutely my bad situation here and now is exactly what's that. The plans are, yeah, I'm going to go to the right college. I'm going to yeah. major in the right place. I'm going to yes. meet the yeah. right person no. to marry and right the, the plan's been executed you have you have christ you have right. the spirit and we have uh yeah. forgiveness of sins yeah and so, so so in the in terms of that yeah so the principle so so here's let's just use that jeremiah passage we weren't planning on talking about it but it is it's a big example i, I think there are several lessons we can learn from that that are still applicable to us uh, mm-hmm. and one of them would be you mentioned suffering one of them would be no matter what god is faithful to his promises mm-hmm. 
you know, because he he said, I, I'm going to use this people in order to bring about the blessing for all peoples on the face of the earth. And so even though they have been unfaithful to me, you know, even despite sometimes God's people being unfaithful, his promise remains. And, and so th there's an example where you said, well, this is really the story of God uh, and the way he responds to his people. Uh, um, response is probably the wrong word there, but you, you get what I'm saying. Right. The, the way he is faithful to his people more than it is about, um, you know, what his people receive in, 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 in a sense, and at least in that, that part of it. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think that's always my point is, you know, I think this is the, the tension right. is how far sometimes I feel sometimes we stretch it too far. You yeah. know, we make it too much of that, but like, yeah. what, what are those boundaries? I've always asked you like, what's the boundary of this? Cause you right. and I have had disagreements about the yeah. boundaries of some certain things. Um, but wh what are those, what are those things that we do need to take away? And what are those things that we are kind of, should we just make this about God or is this about right. me? So I think the the other thing that this this whole conversation is we are talking about this and kind of making preparations for this. One of the things that that it occurred to me is there's there's two audiences here. So there's the audience, the original audience of Scripture, and then when we're talking about application, for those of us who are preaching and teaching, we have to think about the audience that we are communicating to. Mm -hmm. and, and so. So one of the things I think is so so I was thinking about the slaying giants, which really bugs you. Oh, it's that one sticks it, in your it craw. It is like it it does. Uh, and here's the idea, you know, in first is it First Samuel seventeen? Is that where anyway where where the Goliath narrative is? Maybe it's eighteen. I can't remember, but mm -hmm. wherever the Goliath narrative is, um, you've got David killing the Goliath, you know, killing the, the giant. Uh, he he's showing boldness, you know, and and so. For the original audience, again, a lot of what Samuel is about. How, what, what would you say? We just had a had a uh, seminar on Samuel not too long ago. So, how would you describe kind of what was Samuel's original purpose in that? Would you say uh, that God had chosen like God? It was David's reliance on God, yeah, and and God working through David to to yeah. deliver his people. Part of legitimizing the the Davidic you know, the, the, the kingship and the Davidic line that this mm -hmm. is, this is God's promise. This is his chosen person. Uh, and, and through him then is going to be this, even in his this, weakness, David's, exactly. you know, the weak, a weak boy against a, a giant. Yeah. Right. And so, so, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, that, and, and so that idea of, of killing Goliath, you know, God, um, you know, being at work in him. And so then, a, a flat reading, I suppose you'd say, is well, God's going to enable me to kill my giants as well. You know that that's kind of that phrase is used. That phrase is used in right. songs. I hate it. Now, <laughs> I, hate that, I hate that line. Here's the thing: I think we have to be intentional about and understand. And here's where I think the problem can can come: is if we're saying, "Oh, well, then this is a direct correlation." I wonder, though, and and let me throw this at you, and we haven't discussed this ahead of time, Ooh, but. <laughs> but is there a way in which that's also a metaphor that the singer, in the case of a song or the songwriter or preacher can use? Is that a metaphor that he's using in order to, to communicate? I think that's where the confusion can come. And, and I think so. That's why I think we need to be clear mm -hmm. about when we're using that as kind of a rhetorical device uh, to connect so to connect our story to to you know God's story. So we sang a song recently and it was the giant of sin and shame. Sure. Like that is and I'm like, okay, I can get behind yeah, can I get can behind get that. I can get behind okay. that because that yeah. is what God the Holy Spirit enables us to do. You know what I mean? Like there is the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit. The and, main foe there. Yeah, the main yeah. foe. That is the foe. Um partly sure. I uh, you know, my beef with some of this stuff is that it turns into my personal giant and not right. the meta narrative giant of sin. Right. Um, that, that, that becomes, there's too much emphasis on, uh, an, an, an individual giant or a sure. struggle that we might focus on. Right. Yeah. No, so I think that's a good, good point, but you get my point about, it. I yeah. think there's, there's two metaphors or a metaphor at work at, at least in saying, you know, I'm going to slay my giants. We're not, we're not literally talking about going out and killing Andre the giant or something. Yeah, first but, all, but my dead, thing is always, but... we got to define the giant. 
Right. So we got right. to find the giant. That, that, and I think that's where my uh, my beef with some of the stuff is yeah. when we say this stuff is we don't oftentimes sure. label the giant. And the other thing I think the other poss- possibility we see in this is that look, God is able to work in and through you know these these people that are unexpected. I I think th- that was the other thing I was going to mention earlier is is I think one of the things we look need to look for is this this is this a one off kind of thing or is this a consistent theme we see throughout mm-hmm. Scripture. And one of the things we see is that God often will use the the lesser, the mm-hmm. and Jesus then again, even in his statements, you know, the first will be last, you know, the one who, mm-hmm. who wants to be great will be servant of all. You know, the Son of Man even came to 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 serve. When you have these repeated kind of themes, I think those principles then are the ones that are are safest, if you will, for us to to grab onto. Uh, if it's a one-off kind of thing then I think we need to be very careful about, about making a direct uh, application. So I think what are other situations that are like the one David finds himself in? So you find mm-hmm. Gideon, for example, um, you know, facing a superior foe and God, you know, chooses to give them the victory. Even, even, um, well, I see this a lot too. Uh, God will fight for you. You need only be still from uh, Exodus. Is that Exodus 18 when they have their back against the, the Red mm-hmm. Sea? wherever that is. Um, and, uh, so, so that, you know, that again, we want to draw that directly, but I think there is a way in saying, well, God is able to care for and protect his people, even if it means death. Right. Yes. Uh, and, and, and he is, he will guide us. He will, he will lead us. Um, but, but again, I think when we draw those direct parallels is, is sometimes where we get into trouble. So, yeah. So why don't we, you know, we've kind of talked about, uh, this passage, which we about Jeremiah, which we hadn't kind of planned, but right. let's look at a couple. We, you sure. and I had kind of written some down to, to kind of talk through and uh, hash out here. I don't know now that I'm now I'm nervous about the one I chose. One of the ones I thought was Leviticus, <laughs> Leviticus 18. I, you know, I'm always threatening my my congregation. I may actually do it this year. Uh, I was threatening to preach through the book of Deuteronomy. You know, because uh, but but I, I do. I think I told you before. I preach an Old Testament passage every other series is is mm-hmm. a passage or is a is through the old testament uh the book of leviticus 18 this is one of those again on facebook sometimes i'll see a quotation out of leviticus 18 um you know this is it's it's all about sexuality it's right. all about what is appropriate and inappropriate sexual activity within within israel and um the one that i see singled out all the time is that a man should not lie with another man as he lies with a woman. You'll see that on Facebook mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Uh, but I want you to notice the first five verses here. Uh, well, I'll go ahead and read it to you since I chose this. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt. Now, I've talked before about you know, the law was written, and even back in the book of Genesis, the law was written during the period of wilderness wandering, let's say, you know, between the time of the Exodus uh, and the um, entering into the promised land in Canaan. And, and so you see what he's saying? He's saying, and, and, and again, the original audience then are these Israelites who are going from a polytheistic, uh, hedonistic probably culture in Egypt into another polytheistic and and so you know the obviously the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me, you know, and it's it's within that context. But then here in Leviticus it says, do not do what you did in Egypt when you, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan. And I think, wow, I mean, that really spells it out, right? That he's saying to them, you are a different, distinct people. You're not going to be like the the ones who when you lived in Egypt, you're not going to be like Canaan, Canaanites where you're going. Uh, and then he says this. Uh, you know, you shall not do as you did in the land of Canaan where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. Okay, so then it goes into all kinds of things. Don't, you know, sleep with a close relative or a cousin or a sister or brother or mother, you know, your father's wife, you know, lot, lots of things. A lot of prohibitions there. A lot of prohibitions there. Canaan just, and Egypt must have been wild. <laughs> well, and, and 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 so, how would you? What would you say is the principle at work here, though? What what does he just in those five verses I read you? What does he seem to be saying? Don't be like them. 
I mean, it's it's follow follow what I say and don't be like these. Don't be like the world that they're inhabiting. Yeah. Don't allow the, the the cultural expectations to set the agenda for for my people is basically what mm. God is saying. And, and the repeated <laughs> the repeated theme is I am the Lord. You know, in, in other words, I am the one who who is the creator of everything. And therefore, I am the one who sets the agenda. So. So I do think there's a principle, and I even think that principle applies to what people want to, you know, do that proof text verse about. I think it applies to things like sexual ethics, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but the, you know, again, we're not doing a direct, oh, we'll see, God says this. Because then what the rebuttal always is, well, isn't that the same place where it tells you not to cut cut your beard and, you know, shave and all this kind of stuff? and. Uh, you know, well, are you eating shrimp and lobster? You know, that, that kind of stuff. Do your clothes have two different kinds of fibers in them? <laughs> so, so again, that's, that's where we get into trouble because, you know, we're trying to say, oh, this is a direct prohibition where again, I think it's giving us an example within this context that God is very concerned for his people to be set apart from, you know, that that's what the word holy has, has its, its root idea to be set apart from the culture around them, not to not to simply keep the practices of the culture around you and to be like the culture around you, but instead uh, be focused upon what God has called us to. And so I think, you know, that preaches, I think, you know what I'm saying? I think, and I think it's something that we need to continue to hold on to today, whether we are in um, the United States or Canada or, uh, you know, sub-Saharan Africa, or whether we're in Central America, you, you know, Mm -hmm. Southeast Asia, as you mentioned, wherever we are, that continues to be an appropriate uh, uh, idea, I think. Any other thoughts on that? or? Yeah. So, I, you know, just as we kind of talk about that, looking back on that, the, the, you're saying like, that's the context we need to understand. It's like, this is a, this is don't give into that. And that's how we should read into the, kind of that cultural context. Exactly. And my, my point is that we do this Every time I'm going to use a metaphor here. This was, we had a famous textbook when, when I was in, in college um, and they use the term, uh, you're building a bridge, uh, a principalizing bridge over this ditch, you know, or this chasm chasm or this, yeah, this river. And, and I make this point is there sometimes that that river is very wide. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of difference between our own culture and that culture. But even when that, dip ditch is narrow enough we could step across we still should take the, the appropriate steps to build the, the appropriate bridge right mm. so even if i'm pre whether i'm preaching the book of leviticus or preaching the book of colossians my point is i'm going to talk about what the original audience heard first and, and then draw from that principles that i think apply to our con contemporary situation does that make yeah, sense? That's good. Did, did, uh, you know, sometimes it's we have to think there is a gap. <laughs> you know what it, I mean? Like sometimes we almost pretend there's not a gap. Exactly. I'm going to give an example in a little bit that that almost I think unless we think about it, uh, we don't even realize there there is a gap there. But there always is. And so that's why I was constantly telling because because students would say things to me like, um, well, what part of Scripture applies to me? And I'd say it all applies to you. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. but but the the difference is, no matter the part you think it applies immediately or not, you need to take these same steps in in interpreting. That that's that's my own whole that's my whole mantra in this. In this it's kind of like, this reminds me of the tube in London. Mind the gap, you know, before <laughs> right. you get on the train. Well, and mind I think the gap, and I think the other side of it, and this is what this conversation has been good for me. The other side of it is to think about our metaphors. Because in preaching or teaching, we might choose to use metaphors that are very similar to, to scriptural metaphors, but we need to be intentional about the way we're doing it. You know, when I talk about slaying my giants, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, to give us a visual image, but we need to make sure that we're, you know, again, taking those those steps, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got another one here, and this is one that I've been, uh, I've been kind of having a conversation about with someone. Okay. Um, and it's Psalm 139 here. Oh, um, and this is one that you and I have had several conversations yeah. about. Um, so this is Psalm 139, 13, I'm going to read 13 and, and 14. Um, 
and then we can just have this conversation. Sure. This will be very familiar if you read the Bible or have been to church. For you created my <laughs> inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Okay. So I have heard that verse through my whole life, you know, mm-hmm. talking about pro-life movements and so forth. Sure. About, um, And so as I've been... Uh, just doing my studying and so forth, uh, realizing how flat of a reading I had done of this sometimes. And I go back and I look at all of Psalm 139, and it's basically about David saying this is about God's, it's about God's knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God's knowledge of him. And so my question to you was, is this about God creating us? Is this about how God creates us? Or is this about David reflecting on God's knowledge of us in the womb. Like right. that, basically is David just trying to say like, you know, I don't know if, how much David knew about the birthing process and how everything worked <laughs> right. and all that stuff, but kind of going, is this David just, <laughs> well, <laughs> a couple Sorry, lady friends. Um, but, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, Brian. Um, but is this, is this, you know, like for me, this is, this is the interpretive part. Yeah. How should I interpret this? Is this more of David trying to say like, God knows me from the very beginning. And this is just his metaphors, his way of saying that God knows me from the very yeah. beginning to the very end. Like he knows right. all of me. And, so and, so and, yeah, anyway, so like my question is, is, you know, my interpret, is it wrong for us to interpret it the other way? Cause I've always had questions about like, he knits me together, but then we see things that don't appear to be, or that, I mean, sure. that's a thing that we see in a cultural context. Well, God just made me this way. This seems right. how I was. Um, that goes yeah. against even some of the Levitical things we've talked yeah. about. Yeah. Well, uh, this is an example where I was mentioning genre, for example. So this is poetry, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in poetry, when we write poetry today, we are, <laughs> and, and this is, this is, this is where I think th- this statement, I really need to say, well, is we are speaking truth when we write poetry, right? We're, but we're trying to express it in an impactful way, mm-hmm. in a memorable way. Mm-hmm. And so poetry often uses images to do that, right? Uh, some of the most memorable poems, probably the poems that, you know, if I talk about you know, what poetry can you recite, will have those strong images that that you, you can remember. Um, and, and so I think, you know, this is this is the thing here. Obviously, knitting is a is a metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. We we don't believe that God actually knits He's us, got right? Some knitting needles up there with the cat <laughs> playing with the yarn. But but the whole idea, and again, if you if you go back, go back to the very beginning of the psalm, and I think you said well. So, and it's not just God's omniscience. I would always use this passage to talk about God's omniscience, and and I would say God's omniscience is both huge. A lot of times when we talk about God's omniscience, we we mean oh, He knows everything, right? The whole universe is encompassed in his knowledge. But there's a way in which God's omniscience is also very personal. Mm. Like like you're saying, he knows everything about me, right? He, he knows mm. me full well. And I think that's what David is getting at in this in this psalm. And, and you know, to be that known, uh, you know, and there's a couple things about that. I say, you know, we are exposed to God. There's nothing we can, you know, he, and he says that in another place in Psalms. I can't, where can I go that I can hide from God, right? I can't, I, I can't hide from him. But then there's this other part of it. I think that, Paul, that, that David, Paul almost said, David is getting to, getting to in this, in this passage, uh, in this whole, whole Psalm. And that is that it is a wonderful thing that God knows me completely. He knows me fully. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am, I am fully known to, to quote Paul in first Corinthians. You have searched me, Lord. This is verse one, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. And so there's there's an example of a poetic statement. When I sit down, when I rise. You know, it, it's these we use these pairs a lot of times. And and what you know, it doesn't mean that every time I get up, God takes a pen and marks. You know, you know, when I sit down, you know, it, it, it's but it's saying you know wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, God God knows me. Um, you're familiar with all my ways. You discern my going out, my lying down. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. Uh, so, so an, an encompassing kind of knowledge. You hem me in behind and before you. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful to me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? And this is what I was talking about. Where can I flee from your presence? 
If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. Um, and, and so it goes on and on about this idea of God's knowledge. And so, yeah, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. So, so I think this idea, again, I think you're right. It's talking about God's personal knowledge of us, uh, of David, right? Again, thinking about the original audience. And so what I think he's trying, you know, what he's trying to communicate is this idea um, of God's you know, knowledge and his knowledge on a personal level. And so I do think there are principles then that, that apply to us. Um, I haven't answered your question about whether it's appropriate to use. I have, I, I'm not going to be one to criticize someone using this in a pro-life context. I do think there are other passages that are better for that. Mm-hmm. I, I think the best, the, the most powerful pro-life passage is the incarnation uh, and that, you know, John the Baptist leapt in Mary's womb in the presence of of the unborn Savior, the unborn Messiah. You, you see what I'm saying? I mean, right. that, that to me is a powerful passage like, about, uh, about life, you know, before birth. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to criticize someone for, for using it in this way. I don't think here's what I, here's what I will say. I don't think that's David's primary point. I don't think that's the point he's making. Now, I do think Scripture is powerful enough that sometimes we can gain truth that was not the author's, how do I say this, was not the primary point the author was originally trying to make. I do this all the time with Paul. Yeah. So, Paul, yeah, yeah so, See, this This is to me, this is the crux of it right here. Okay. You're like, right. we're, we're kind of going like, I can use it. And I guess, the th- <laughs> you know, like, right. that's my thing is I've said, yeah. like, how far can we stretch it? And when is it? And you're, I mean, this is an opinion-based conversation, but sure. like, when when does it go too far? Like, think, when do we when do we mm-hmm. say like, okay, we if we can if we look at this psalm from David, and we acknowledge this is about his knowledge of them, when does it be? Because because I, I could see if we say like, well, I'm not, I, I I could take it this way, but is that what we're supposed to do with it? And so, sure. and that, that's my question. Sure, there are two things I would say about it. One of them, you'll notice I did. I think, and I've said this, I said this earlier, if this was the only passage that talked about this kind of thing, I think we need to be very, very careful, mm-hmm. right? So is it a principle, are, are we drawing from it a principle that is consistent with other parts of scripture? Mm-hmm. And so I went to the incarnation, for example, and and said, here's, here's an example where we see, you know, a, a, a clear idea about this. Is it consistent with what God says elsewhere in the law about the importance of the unborn child and, and, and this kind of thing? Um, and so I think that's that's part of where I would say we need to be careful. Right? Yeah, I, I would. I wouldn't. I'm not trying to make the case of like it's not pro-life in any way, right. shape, or form. But kind of going when when do we lift Scripture out of its context to make it fit something? If it's does that make sense? Like it does. Uh, so sometimes for me, it feels like we're shoving a square through a round hole. Like <laughs> well, I can I, agree on the concept. I can agree on that that God cares for all, even in the womb. Sure. But like when do, when do we when do we cross the line of scriptural interpretation and we've yeah. pushed it too far? Yeah. Well, and again, I think you can tell I, me shut up. No, no, that, no. You're right. I mean, but but you know, my point is, I think when it's too far would be if this if I was trying to make some kind of. Uh, uh, a unique statement with this, mm-hmm. and in other words, something that I, I can't support elsewhere uh, elsewhere in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I I think that's uh, one of the principles of, of interpretation I was always taught is uh, understand more obscure passages by by passages that are clear, right? Than the instead of the other way around. Sometimes people take very obscure passages and they make that kind of the center of their theology, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so that that's where I think we would need to be careful or say, you know, we don't want to go too far with this. Um, I don't know. And I guess the other thing is, the other thing I'm saying is we need to acknowledge what we're doing. Mm. Uh, I I think 
we need to be honest with ourselves first, but then also if we're teaching or preaching with our audience to say, I don't think this is David's primary point. You know, here's what, maybe it's not even saying this, but saying, here's what I think David is saying, <laughs> right? Here's, here's the primary point he's making. And, and, and sometimes that may be enough. Although if it is a famous enough passage, like some of the ones we've mentioned, it probably, if we're going to communicate well, then I think we need to be honest about, hey, this this is sometimes taken this way, and it probably does not mean that. So let, let me give you that example. So so you mentioned Philippians passage, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When you look within the context of that, mm -hmm. and, and he says, I know what it is to be rich, I know what it is to have uh, or have plenty, I know what it is to be in want, I know what it is to, you know, he talks about the persecutions he's, he's, he's gone through. Um, he's really saying, I am able to endure all things because Christ is the one who strengthens me. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of saying, Oh, I can, I can do anything. You know, I can create anything I can, you know, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, I always say it's one to be said through gritted teeth. So there's an example where I think you've gone too far because you made it say the opposite of what it does within the context. Mm -hmm. you, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, so it always, I think it always has to fit within the context. We, we talk about historical context and the, the textual context. Um, you know, I think it, it always needs to fit within context. So maybe that's one, one rule I would say. And then, yeah. like I said, it's consistent with other, other parts of scripture. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's interesting. You know, it's just, I'm always, um, again, I'm very analytical. I'm very <laughs> right. analytical. You know, it's, 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 uh, that is always a struggle for me is sure. how far do we push the old Testament? I, you know, like you said, it, it is for us. It is for us. It's the narrative of God, but how far do we push it? Especially the right. old Testament, because there is a much more, um, Bigger conquering, conquer, yeah. physical oh, conquering aspect to, Okay. Uh, to the to the narrative of, of the Israelites, which I, I I'm I'm using music as a reference here again. Like there's <laughs> right. a lot of songs about uh, fighting and overcoming, um, using Old Testament passages. You know right. that I mean, God is the Lord of Armies. I mean that's that is Scripture. Sure. It says that Lord of Hosts. Lord of Hosts. The, the, I think then the other part of this might be for you, and I'm just just trying to trying to express us you and you've said this before that that you're bothered that sometimes we don't use the other passages about you know behold i'm about to send the locusts and yeah yeah that we we i mean i i think there's a there's a sense of cherry picking of we right. we love the positive passages that are about god's promise to us but we also we tend to avoid the ones that talk about our punishment for disobedience. So to answer your question of when do we go too far, could it, could we maybe say we go too far when we fail to take the entire narrative into, into consideration? You, you get what I'm saying? We, yeah. we need to tell the whole story. Yeah. Uh, you know, not just, not just part of it, I think maybe another. Yeah. We always talk about principle. God conquering for the Israelites. <laughs> we never talk about God judging the Israelites. Right. And, and, and while we're, while we're here, let's go ahead and say this. And we've talked about this too, that, that, um, we often want to put put ourselves in the the positive side. You know, we we're always David. We're never we're always Absalom, the good guys, right? We're never we never think of ourselves as you know um, Ephraim or or you know Joash or you know, who who wherever you want to go with this. You know, we we think of ourselves in in the positive rather than um, you know putting ourselves in the in the in the problem. Um, yeah. You it's know, like when it, you get in an argument with someone, you're always the the good guy. They're always the bad guy. <laughs> right. But and, sometimes and, we're the bad guy. And, and I think we can learn from that as well. I love Old Testament narrative. I, I love narrative in, in general, just because I, I really enjoy that, that understanding the way that narrative works and understanding the way that the authors, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have presented these stories. And I think there's so much for us to learn in narrative form. So we, we, we learn well in stories. We tend to remember stories better than we do, you know, absolutes. It's, it seems like at least in our culture. And, and so I think, I think that's why I love narrative so much, but th there, yeah, there are many things for us to learn, not just the, you know, the victorious part of it, but, but the, the more difficult 
aspects of it as well. Yeah. So for those of you that are hating us so far on this, <laughs> on this episode, you know, I think that the question for me is so what? Like for, I, I yeah. will say on my end, the so what of this conversation or why does this conversation matter? Um, for me, and you can, you know, Brian, you give sure. your interpretation of why it's important. Like for me, I've, I feel like I've had conversations with people where there has been so much focus on the the positive and this idea of the conquering and that we uh-huh. are that we are the Israelites and God's going to lead us through this. And then when bad things happen, when 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 things that don't seem to feel like I've slayed my giant or the giant has won or that I am conquered by something, right. that it is somehow a failing of God. It's sure. a failing of God and or God's promise, right. you know, that God, you know, that, you know, that's always my beef with Jeremiah 29, 11, sure. you know, it's just like, well, I, I, he had a plan for me, but it, it was a garbage plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, you know, or we, we feel right. like that. Um, and so we create this, this anticipation right. in someone. And when it doesn't turn out the way that it's like, well, that the, who is this God? Yeah. And, and and what does he do? And so, yeah. What week before last, I preached a sermon called "Suffering in the Gospel." <laughs> you know, it's like, and I know people are like mm, I don't want to hear that, but but it, it is as a part of the story. And and I was going to say Jesus tells a story about that. If you remember the the types of soil, you know, some mm-hmm. some of the seed falls in the rocky places. It doesn't take root, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore when it grows up and, and Jesus in his interpretation of that, again, you remember later that chapter, he interprets it. He says, when the troubles and trials of this life come, they, they leave the faith quickly. You know, at once they're, they're glad, but when the trials come, they, they leave the faith. And, and so, you know, there, there's an example. Let, let me use a, a example on the other side. If, if, if I yeah, can, I would, I'd love is, to, this is Mark chapter four. And, uh, so, so I talked about the metaphors, and this is this is when I was thinking about this idea is that this we Mark or Matthew Matthew four, sorry, Matthew chapter four. Yeah, you're right. Verses eighteen through following, uh, through I don't know twenty three. I think something like just that. following twenty two. Yeah, through through following. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the when I talk about the metaphors for communication, this one came to mind. So this says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus says, and I will send you out to fish for people. That's the way this says, or I will make you fishers of men is the way that the older translations used to say. At once they left our net and follows him. And then it goes on. He sees James and John who are also fishermen and they immediately leave their boat. And, and uh, so I can remember when I was a kid. So you're talking about worship ministry. This was a song we used to call, uh, uh, he, uh, you know, Fishers of Men. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Oh, Have yeah. You heard that song. And, and I can remember we used to make the Cast? uh, casting yeah. notion, motion, you know. Yeah, reel them in. You know. well, how did the, I was singing it earlier and now I can't remember how it starts even. He uh, will make a, is it, Fisher. Is it, oh, it was God. Fishers of Men, Fishers of Men. But I can't remember the first line. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I, 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 guess I will make you fishers of men. Yeah. So we would do the casting. And again, of course, it's it's fishing. You know, We're trying is, to bait them and then hook them and well, bring them in against their will. And my point is this. Fishing for some of us is a hobby. There there may be a listener on here who, who's in the North Sea someplace catching whitefish. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> most of us, fishing is a pastime, right? But uh-huh. the ones in the story, that was their occupation, That right? They were fishing that, that was how they made a living. And Jesus is asking them to leave their occupation in order to become full-time kingdom servants. And so he uses this clever metaphor, right, to, to say to them, you're fishing for fish. I will make you a fisher for people, for, for men. And, and so I, I guess here's an example where that's very easy for us to make that transition. You know, so we'd say, oh, fishers of men, whatever that means, yeah. However, I understand that happening. Um, But you see, I'm saying there's an example where we've taken that and we've brought it directly into our context. Now, I don't think it's wrong to think about those as two metaphors. But here's an example where I'm saying I think we need to still be clear. We're talking about different cultures. Uh, You know, this was their occupation. And Jesus is asking them to kind of leave everything and to focus primarily upon, well, you know, seek first my kingdom, right? Or his mm-hmm. kingdom and, and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you as well. So, so, and, and the, it's, again, it's a consistent theme in scripture. Peter says, we've left everything for you, Lord. 
and and you know the, this idea of the sacrifice of being fishers of men it's not a pastime right right and, and so i think here's an example where we can use that metaphor of you know god would make us fishers of men something like that or fishers fishers for people something along those lines i think that'd be an appropriate way to communicate but i think we have to be honest about what it meant for James and John, Peter and Andrew to leave everything that they knew and everything that they were comfortable with in order to follow Jesus and, and to do what he called them to do in his king. You, you oh, get yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, I still think it preaches. <laughs> right. Right. But I, I don't think he will make us fishers for, for, for people is, is the, probably the best metaphor for that. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't think it grasped everything about what this context is saying. Do hmm. you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it would be more akin, I think, to the passage where Jesus says, um, you know, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Right. Hmm. Uh, it, it's more like that. Let the dead bury their own dead. Right. Right. Uh, where he's he's saying to be a part of my kingdom requires complete commitment. Uh, it's not a it's not a part time. It's not a it's not something you can do as a hobby, <laughs> right? It, it is a part of your entire life. And so anyway, that's yeah. just, a, just a thought. On that. So, okay. So let me ask you this. You're wiser than I on this. How <laughs> do we debatable on some things? I mean, you're coming along with my knowledge of outerwear. Okay. Um, <laughs> Carhartt. Carhartt wise. <laughs> Carhartt shirts for men. Um, <laughs> sponsored. No, not sponsoring soon to be sponsored. Anyway, how do we, how do we mind, you know, we, so we use this uh, finding the gap. We had the stream and all that stuff. Yeah. What's the best way um, for someone who might be listening to this and hear us talking about the problems or whatever sure. to, 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 to mind that gap, to, to find it, to cross it. Cause I think it is, and I, I am guilty of this as well. Sure. It's so easy to slip into that flat reading sometimes. Yeah. Well, uh, how how do we? What would you say is the best way to 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 dig in to dig into that? I don't know if I have the best way. I'll, I'll tell you where it has to start. It has to it has to start with thoughtful reading, and and my point with that is simply that we slow down, and and we think about it, <laughs> right? Uh, we think about hey, what's what's being said here? What's what's going on? Don't don't just take this quote unquote at face value. What's what's really happening here? And then I think your best friend probably for for your your initial, you know, if you're starting with this is probably a Bible dictionary, a good Bible dictionary. Okay. Uh, to be able to look up some of these things like, you know, fishing in, in the Sea of Galilee in the first century, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, some good dictionaries out there, some something along those lines would be a good a good start, I I, I would say. Um and um you know, then it just goes from there. There are kinds of all kinds of other resources out there mm-hmm. as well. Uh, we've talked about Blue Letter Bible and some of the things that you can do there with the words and that kind of thing. But even before that, I think the first thing is you have to slow down. Uh, you know, we <laughs> we focus sometimes upon getting through quote unquote through the Bible that we don't think about understanding it well. And to me, that's that's the more important thing. Uh, is to make sure we're we're slowing down and being thoughtful about about some of these things, and and I think that that just becomes a habit. It just becomes a uh, something you have to develop uh, where where you're slowing down and think thinking through things. Thinking is there other is there another way to see this? And and, and I think there are some basic questions you always ask yourself. Um, you know, who is speaking? Who's being spoken to? So we've talked about the audience a lot today, right? What's the what's the historical context? What's the setting of this? And that's going to answer a lot of your questions right there. Um, you know, because it's different when when Paul is after after Jesus has has like you said completed the the work of God's plan. Paul is going to be speaking in a different context than Isaiah. Mm. He just is, and and so we've got to think about what's the situation and and, and those kind of things and and, and you know bring those into what I'm not, you know, I'm not as good at application either. And I was going to say, we have to become students of our cultural context as well mm. in order to, to know how to communicate well about these things. I think so. Yeah. It's a fun one out there these days, <laughs> cultural context. <laughs> well, it always has been, I think to, yes, to an extent. It's, there's You're nothing right. new. There's nothing yeah. new. Right. 
Yeah, well, I think Ecclesiastes says on a flat reading. Yes, meta. Here we go. Uh, Yeah, so I think this is a great conversation, and I think this is one that's kind of always ongoing. I think you know, brought up if there's someone listening, that's you know something. We just brought up a couple passages here, some that might be popular, but how do we think about this? And I think again, I'm always living as an analytical person, attention of what is this for me, or am I pushing this too far to make it for me, and so forth, and. you know, I think what we had Jody Owens on, he talked about this is Jewish meditation literature. Right. Like there's this right. as the reread. And so his whole point was the, the, the Jew, the, the early readers read it multiple times because yep. it spoke new things to them every time they read it. And so um, being open to that, but also cautious in that at the same yeah. time as, as he, we you know, read. Not only scripture. read, but he would say meditate. And that's meditate. kind of what I'm talking about, being <clears throat> being consciously aware of what what we're reading, you know, not, not taking too long or not uh, not taking, being too quick with it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, uh, I think this about wraps it up for today. I, I, it's a little different episode for us out there. We've done lots of Bible, Bible books, but, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this and, uh, we'll have some other fun things we do. Brian and I schedule right now is just crazy. We do have (laughs) some guests that we're, we're, we're working to schedule, uh, here soon, but our schedules are a little crazy. And so we're all remote and talking yep. back and forth. As yeah, much we're as hoping we to get together soon, sometime soon. We need to try to do that. The uh, the other thing I'll say, check out our website. Uh, look for a newsletter. Um, yeah. And, uh, or if you'd uh, like to support what we're doing, you can go yeah. to uh, – there's a link on there as well to support us on Patreon. We have some yep. – great um great supporters that have helped us along this way and yeah. so we'd welcome any any more of you that are enjoying and benefiting from the podcast and carhartt if you're listening carhartt <laughs> you could sponsor the number one bistro bible bible podcast. bistro related bible podcast. bistro related at least podcast. top three a uh, uh, top yeah top way up there all right well uh brian thanks so much and i will see you uh next wednesday tuesday oh my gosh tuesday Tuesday. all right see you bye-bye see you right